We're in our third week of the series, Battlefield. And so what we've been talking about is the first week we talked about the, you know, the battle of our minds, our thoughts. Uh, last week, Dylan talked about, you know, it's the battle of what we say. And here's the thing. For many of us as Christians, those are the things we get down many times. In fact, you've been around a lot of Christians that think or say the right things, but it never turns into actions. And that's the problem, is if it stays in our mind and it's just on our lips and it doesn't actually turn to actions, then we're no different, we're no different than the Christians many people have already met. We're no different than the people around us. Nothing actually changes. We just become people that talk about change, but it never happens. We're just hypocrites. And so we even see it in James 2.17. It says, so if you see faith by itself isn't enough, unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. And it's a dead faith. We want something that's worthwhile. We want something that matters. And here's what's crazy, and I know this is, this, this is nuts for me. It's like we're less than two months away from 2020, like literally less than two months away. And some of you are like, wow, I, I had set goals for 2020, and they're not even there yet. Got a lot to do. Got a, you know, a lot to run, running to do. Um, and so you guys are starting to set goals. You're starting to think about it. And some of you set goals like me. You go way overboard. You're like, I'm not just going to change something. I'm going to change everything about me. Like you're like, I'm going to set these goals. And you start off these things. I still remember one time. I usually, I love to set goals at times like that are big, like either the new year or it's my birthday or like something like just happened. I'm like, all right, this is one of those moments. And you know, in the Bible, it's like 30, 40 days type deals. And last time that I set like this big thing, I decided, all right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read the entire New Testament in 40 days. On top of that, I'm going to start getting up every morning at 4 a.m. and walking and praying with God because that's what Pastor Craig does and I want to be like him. And so I'm like, I'm going to do that. And then on top of it, I was like, you know what, I'm also going to start working out. And then on top of it, I'm like, you know what, I've done, I've done fasting. I've done long fasts before. I've done 21-day fast. I'm like, I'm going to do a 40-day fast. And I'm like, I'm doing all these things together. I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. And you know before you start something, you're like, this is awesome. We're going to do it. This is going to be great. And then you get into it. And it was like, I never woke up at 4 a.m. once. Like, it didn't happen. Like, I, the first day my alarm went off and I was like, nope, God's not awake yet. This is not happening. Like, it's not happening. And I remember I started my reading plan. I got about seven days into that. I started fasting. I got about three days into that. But then there was a birthday party. I'm like, God would want me to eat cake. And, you know, and so I, I just remember it all went to the side. And what's crazy is when you study habits, when you study all these things, you find out something very interesting. Uh, If you haven't read it before, there's a book called The Power of Habit. I highly, highly recommend it. It's one of those books that shows you how you're basically making every habit not work in your life and how it could work and scientifically doing that. But it talks about how there's this idea of willpower. We have this idea that we have all this willpower. And they're like, willpower is an illusion. People that seem like they have a lot of willpower just made small changes through time. And they actually say this, like when you're using all your willpower on something, you're actually more likely to fail somewhere else. It's like when you're working really, really hard, you know, to, to start running the right way, but you start eating all the wrong stuff. You're like really, really working hard on your diet, but then you start doing something. It's like every time that happens, you know, it's like with people that are addicted to things. Every time they go really hard to stop that addiction, what happens? They pick up something else. And so a lot of times what we can do is we go, all right, I'm all in. I'm going to go crazy. Instead of realizing the best things that we can do now is start to change little by little. Little by little. I heard this uh, on Monday. The business leader was in front of a lot of people, and he said this. He goes, hey, guys, how many of you want change? And, of course, everybody's, like, raising their hand. He goes, all right, how many of you want to change? And, like, nobody raised their hand. 
Like it all went down. Why? Because we want change, right? We look at our lives. We have this idea. We're like, oh, it'd be so awesome if I was able to stick to this, if I was able to do this. But when it actually comes into play, not many of us do that. And so we've got to figure out how do we do that. And part of the way that we do that is we change the way we view ourselves. 1 Thessalonians 5, 5 to 9. It's written by a guy named Paul. And he's writing to the church in Thessalonica. And he says this. He goes, for you are all children of the light and of the day. And I just want to stop there real quick. He's saying, you are children of the light and of the day. He's he's saying this. Guys, remember this. Before anything else, remember, God has changed your identity. He goes, you are not your sin. You are not your past. You are not your habits. You are not the things that have happened before. You are not your family. You are not the things that people have spoken over you. You are a children of the light. You are in the day. He says, we don't belong to the darkness and night, so be on guard, not asleep like the others. Stay alert and be clear-headed. Night is the time where people sleep and drinkers get drunk. But let us live in the light and be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love. And wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. Confidence of our, he's saying, hey, here's the deal, guys. Remember where you came from and here's why. Here's why. Your daily activity should come from your new identity. Your daily activity, what we do every day should come from our new identity. But here's the problem. If we want to do this, we can't do this alone. We can't. And this is what all of us don't like. Because if you're somebody like me and you're like setting goals and habits, you want to do it on your own because you also want to claim all the glory at the end. But if we want to actually do what God's called us to do and actually stay doing it and form these new habits, we have to do it with others. God made us that way. God literally made us to be around other people, introverts. God made you to be around other people. I promise. None of you are laughing. You're like, shut up. You don't know. Yeah, I do. I do. Not as many people as the extroverts, but other people. We do. We need to be around other people. Here's what's crazy. They've done studies where they put people in total isolation. Total isolation. People literally start to go crazy within seven days. And within two days, people literally, they're like, all right, I can't take this anymore. More. And here's what we do. We don't, we're not that bad, but we live on life support, I think, with people. We get just enough of other people in our lives to where we don't go crazy, but not enough to where it could change us. Not enough to where they know us enough where they could actually speak into our lives. Not enough to where they know us enough to where they could actually say, hey, I see this going on in your life. We do just enough so we feel okay about our lives. We keep people at a distance. And I'll be honest with you, like one of the biggest reasons my first couple years of college didn't go the wrong way, I went to UF, which is where you go if you don't want to follow God. And so I went to UF and people always say, you know, what happened? And really what happened was I found an amazing group of guys. Started hanging out with this group of guys and one day we're taking this trip. We're actually going up to FSU because we wanted to see hell. But um, no, I'm kidding. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Some of you I could hear it were cracking jokes when I said that thing about FSU. It's not hell. It's not hell. It's close. But it's not. It's not. Um. We were going up there, and one of the guys in the back seat literally just goes, hey, guys, uh, when was the last time uh, you saw a girl naked? And I was like, I was driving. I was, I was confused. Like, I wasn't sure what he wanted at this point. I was like, does he want a story? Like, does, does he want a website? Like, what is, he, what is he asking for? It was like a weird question. I never had somebody just be blunt like that. And he's, he's like, yeah. So when I was in college, high-speed internet had just come out. I know, shut up. Uh, so it had just come out. And so guess what comes on the scene right away? Porn and all that kind of stuff. He goes, hey, let's talk about it. And we started a conversation. We started having hard conversations. We started calling each other out. And if I didn't have those guys in my first year of college, I'm not sure the way it would have went. Because I went to college. I was a pastor's kid. I loved God. At least I, I thought I loved God. But my faith hadn't become my own yet. 
It hadn't become real, and I was just kind of there trying to figure out what I was going to do. And if I wouldn't have found those guys, it would have been very different because it matters who we have in our lives. And if I don't have those, I wouldn't have found my call to God that I had. See, it changed the way that we did life. See, for many of us, we don't, we don't understand this. They've actually done studies that they say, show me your five closest friends and I'll show you who you are. Like they've actually done studies where they've said, if you take your five closest friends and average it out, you'll actually find what you probably make income-wise. They, they found that if you average it out, you'll find out like where you are in life, what your aspirations are. And here's the other side. If you take your five closest friends, it also will show you the average of probably how much you are going after God your religious zeal or how much you love God and going after it. And the easiest way, the easiest way to change that is to change your friends. And what's crazy, we heard it as kids. I remember hearing in high school like peer pressure, peer pressure, peer pressure. And I thought when I got older, no one's going to talk about peer pressure anymore. But you do, it still happens. But I'll say this, this was interesting in my life and I was thinking about this today. My biggest area of peer pressure, it's not like I've got other parents going, hey, should, you know, do some meth. Like, no, that doesn't happen. Like, I don't, like, that's not like, not like we're hanging out with somebody and they're like, hey, guess what I found? And I'm like, oh, like, that doesn't happen. <laughs> Here's where the peer pressure comes from. Negativity. It is amazing. If you're around a negative person, they are like a little dealer. They're like, come over here. I got some negative. You know that person you don't like? I don't like them either. We'll talk about them. And then we can talk about some other people. And it's like this negativity keeps happening. And some of you are surrounded by negative people and you're wondering why you're always negative. You're wondering why you're ne never happy. You're wondering why these other people in your life, you close them off. It's because you're surrounded by those people. And the thing is, if you want to get excited about God, you change your crowd. That's why we do small groups. That's why we have them afterwards. We want you in community. Here's the deal, guys. If you want to have life change, you have to do it with others. There has to be other people in there. I'm not saying you're going to go to small groups and find your bestest friends ever, but hopefully you find a friend. Hopefully you find somebody that you can text, you can talk to, somebody that you can fight in, somebody that you go, hey, I want you to tell me where are my blind spots, and you trust them enough to tell you those things. Like these are things that we want to have in our lives, and it doesn't happen overnight. Now, here's one of the interesting things is when we look at the way we are made, when we look at what we do and the way chemically and all that kind of stuff happens, here's what's interesting. When it comes to the way we act, when it comes to the stress level in our lives, we actually have to pay attention to the physical. Here's what I mean by that starting off, is we have to actually pay attention to the way we stand our posture and the expressions on our face. And some of you, like me, have a resting face that nobody likes. It's one of those things, and you've been told, and I've been told, hey, you look angry. I'm like, well, I'm not angry. Get over it. Like, but you look angry. And here's what's interesting. The way you act, the expression on your face changes the way you act. They actually did this study. This is kind of cool. They actually uh, they brought in two sets of people. They put the comics in front of them, and they had one set of people put a pencil in their mouth. So it held it like, like that, like held it in their mouth, which made the same muscles for smile to happen. And they watched, and the people that had the pencils in their mouth laughed more, uh, were more excited about it, actually took the comics with them than the people that didn't. All because their facial features changed. I mean, for many of us, we have to pay attention to our nervous tics. All of it, many of us have that in here. I do. I do. And it drives my wife crazy. She hates it. I, used to, oh, I usually got one of these things called a fidget cube, which was, a, some of you don't, it's like this little cube that has like different fidget things on it, like you can click a light and all that kind of stuff. And so I would hold it and I'd fidget with it while I watched something thinking, I don't need to pay attention to my nervousness. Let me just solve it with a fidget cube. The problem is when you're talking to somebody and they're hearing click, 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 it doesn't work. 
And then I look at my son who's five years old and he's already chewing his nails. Already chewing his nails. We've had kids in our house before that chewed their nails literally to the point that they were bleeding. Why? Because of nervousness, because of stress. These are the things that should be telling us not that we need to get a fidget cube, but that we need to change our lifestyle. We've got to change something about us. We have to change, we have to pay attention to the things and the ways that we're acting. Here's what's crazy. I I Googled this because I didn't believe it when I first heard it. Americans, the number of, uh, number of doctor visits, the percentage of doctor visits that Americans go to that have to deal with stress. Like the number, if you take all Americans that go to the doctor visits, the number, it's 75% of doctor visits have to do with stress. 75%. And here's what they've gotten to the point as. They see stress now as a carcinogen. They see stress as one of the biggest reasons that people get heart disease. They see stress as something that causes all kinds of issues. And so much of that even comes from the way that we hold ourselves. And here's what I mean by that. You guys have seen people maybe hold themselves like this before. It's like that, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm not happy. I'm sitting in the corner. It actually, it's a, it's a biological thing. With this arm, I'm, I'm covering my stomach just in case you're coming after me there. And this arm, I'm covering my neck just in case you're coming after me, which is weird in today's society. But you've seen people just, you know, hold themselves like it. Here's what's crazy. If you hold yourself like this for 10 minutes and then you take a saliva test, your cortisol levels will be through the roof. If you don't know what cortisol is, it's the stress hormone. It's the hormone that causes our body to be in fight or flight. It's the hormone that tells our body to store fat. (laughs) It's the hormone that causes havoc on our bodies. And it's all from just holding yourself in that way. The way we hold ourselves matters. And here's what's crazy. Here's another one. If you go like this for over a minute and then you do the same test, they'll actually find that your testosterone goes up. Because it's that, it's that stance of victory. It's that stance of, of taking over. And what's crazy is after doing this, your testosterone goes up, which means you feel more powerful, which means you feel like you can actually do something. So crazy thought when we're worshiping and everybody's like, raise your hands. There could be a reason behind it. I still don't like to raise my hands. Because I feel like somebody's going to, you know, punch me in the stomach or something. But, but it's true. It's one of those things. It's like it, what's crazy is you see throughout the Bible, they're like, hold yourself in a way that says we're winning. Another thing that they say is this, they're saying that Americans are in a constant state of oxygen deprivation and dehydration. And so because of those two things, our heart is always pumping faster. Why is that an important thing? Because when your heart starts pumping faster and your heart actually gets up to 120 beats per minute, you lose sharpness. You don't think as well. In fact, when you get up to 150 beats per minute, you lose the ability to think. In fact, that's the reason why after an argument, you think of the good comeback afterwards. Like you're sitting there like, oh, I should have just said your mom, right? Like (laughs) it would have worked every time. I forgot it. But it's true. And what's what's crazy is we sit there and we go, okay, how? Why Why do I make such bad decisions in those moments? Why do I keep saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing, having to apologize afterwards for saying the wrong thing? It's literally because our bodies are done in such a way. When we reach that 150 beats per minute, you're not thinking straight. Now, I don't believe that will ever be a reason that you can use to say apologize to your girlfriend. Oh, Pastor House said 150 beats per minute. It was there. My Fitbit. Look, that's not going to work. But it is something we pay attention to. Why am I saying all these things? You're like, how? We're, we're, we're supposed to be talking about the Bible and you're talking about these things. Here's why. None of these things that I'm talking about come from demons. None of these things that I'm talking about can be fixed by the Holy Spirit. Why do I say that? Because many of us, were sitting there going, God, you just got to fix some things. God, you got to exercise this demon. And God's like, no, you just need to stop drinking three monsters a day. 
We're like, God, you need to solve this. God, you need to solve this. God's like, no. All the things that you're having right now, the reason you're stressed out, the reason that you're having all these issues is because you're not taking care of your body. Maybe the answer right now is not calling out to God. It's to go for a walk. Maybe the answer right now is to go to sleep. Maybe the answer right now is to go outside and get sun or eat something that's actually healthy. You know, it's crazy. They already know this. Your diet is tied to how you feel stress. And we're sitting there going, God, God, please help me. And God's like, this is on you. This is on you. But here's, here's the deal. And here's what we know. Knowing, knowing what to do has never been the problem, right? We know it. But we must do what we know. We actually must do what we know. And I think a lot of it comes to this. I think a lot of us, we just go out there out there days just kind of winging it, trying to figure it out. I think for many of us, what we need to do and, and the way we need to start our days is for some of us, you guys understand this, if you were in sports growing up or something growing up, you knew you had a pregame ritual, right? I mean, I was in basketball. I was in uh, volleyball. I was also a swimmer. Um, I Stop pitching me in a speedo. Um, all the guys are like, crap, now I can't unsee it. But, yeah, that was a long time ago. It literally had nights right there. It was awful. It was awful. That was not fun. That was not fun. Um, anyway, side note. What was our, okay, pregame. So for basketball, I had like a serious pregame. Basketball, I had four hours before, I would eat two peanut butter and honey sandwiches and drink a half gallon of water. Um, I would get everything in my bag, everything ready to go. I would head to the school. I would get, we would get to the school, put my stuff in the locker room, head on out, watch the JV game. At halftime, we would head back. We would start to get ready. I would have my pregame bathroom ritual that would always happen because I don't know why. It just did. And anything I can get to make myself jump higher, I'm, I'm, I'm on board for. And then I would start listening to my pregame music, which was a mix of death metal and rap, which I don't know. That's what it was. And then we would walk out and no one would smile and we'd go through warm-ups because you can't smile when you play basketball apparently. And we would do our warm-ups, we would do the whole thing, we would come back to the bench, rip off the warm-off things, go out in the game. Every single time we would do this for a game. Why? Because at that time basketball mattered to me greatly. Here's what's crazy. I look back at it now, I'm like, none of that mattered. Like basketball has, like doesn't matter at all. What I did in any of those games has no matter. But here's what I know. Every day the conversations I have matters. The, the conversations I have with people, the conversations I have with friends, with family members, the meetings that I go into, all these things matter. But here's what we do. We know we're going into a day where we're going to have a lot of stuff. And we just go, I'll just wing it. And we don't even think for a second, where am I emotionally? Where am I spiritually right here? Like, what are we doing when we're about to go into a tense meeting or about to have a crucial conversation with somebody? What are you thinking about there? Like, what are you praying about? Are you even praying? I mean, think about it. Well, how great would it be to spend some time to speak some truth into your life, to speak some truth over your family, over your friends before it all begins? Why don't we start those things with Scripture and with prayer? Why, do, why hasn't that become a normal habit, a normal thing that we do? If we care about our days, why don't we start it with what matters? It's a... It's crazy to me, the things that we will get ready for, that get excited for. But when it comes down to the things that really matter, we need to start our days off right. And for some of you, you're like, how I can't get up any earlier. But you have a car ride. Yeah, I can't get up any earlier. Well, you have some time. You figure it out. We find ways. You spend that time with God. You spend that time in prayer. Why? Because you're getting ready for something. 
something that matters. You have no idea what conversation you may have. You have no idea if someone that you work with or someone you go to school with, today is the day they're, they're going to go, hey, uh, so you talked about this God thing. Can you tell me about it? Or they sit down and you go like, so you, they, you talked to me about this God thing. So my dad just died, and I don't know how to feel. And you're in that moment, and you're like, what do I say? Not that there's a perfect thing to say, but what if we had prepared spiritually and emotionally before we got there? Like, how different would that be? And so we, we do. We need to prepare for that moment. And then as we go throughout the day, we need reminders. We need reminders of who we represent. Back in Old Testament times, a lot of the Jewish leaders, what they would do, they'd actually take Scripture and put it in little boxes and tie it around their head and around their wrists. And it was a way of them, in moments, they would read them and look at them and recite them. It was a way of reminding themselves why they're doing what they're doing. They, and we do reminders too, and we do that. And we, there's so many different ways of doing that. I mean, some people get tattoos to remind themselves of that. And some people get tattoos and then claim it's a reminder for something, but it's really just a cool tattoo. But we do, we get, some of us, we get verses, we put them everywhere. We get rings or necklaces, or we get a little band, or we have glasses, whatever it may be. But it's something that reminds us, why do we need reminders? Because life is distracting. Life is distracting. For me, when I'm starting something new, I get a new journal. And I, and I write in the journal. If I have a journal, I think it's, okay, this is awesome. I get to write in this. This means this matters. I need to write down right now what God is teaching me. Because what's God's teaching me right now, I need to remember and here's what's interesting, guys. I don't know if you guys know this, but they say this. If you, um, if you write down the five things you're most thankful for one time a week, just one time a week, it increases your happiness by 25%. By 25%. Here's why. It fights negativity. When we write down what we're thankful for, it fights negativity. If you have a problem disliking somebody, sit down and write what you're thankful for about them. Guys, in marriage, and I know many of you are like, we're not there yet, but you will be one day. I promise. No, I shouldn't say that. For most of you, I promise, but there's a couple of you I need to talk to. But, um, <laughs> but one day you will. Here's what's interesting. When you get married to somebody and you're around them all the time, you know what you naturally see? What they're not. You start to see what they're not doing and what they're not saying and all those things. And it can become very negative. It can be very easy for me to look at Chrissy and see all the negative. And so I take time and write down, all right, these are the things that she is doing. These are the things that she brings to the table. This is why it's a good thing that I'm married to her. And we've got to do this in our lives. Some of us, we need to do that for our parents. We need to do that for our friends. We need to do that for those around us because it takes something that's negative and turns it into a positive. It's something that takes our mind off all the distractions around us because when we go throughout our day, we get stressed, we forget. They actually did a study where kids who were at a school that were in the same path as an airplane did worse on tests than if you took those same kids and moved them somewhere else. And it's like, of course. You got middle school kids in a school, it's like squirrel, plane's going to be much worse. But in the same way, guys, when we go out through our days, you guys have been there. Some of you came in today. You're like, I'm just stressed. I'm done. I'm done. We need reminders there. We need something up on the mirror of our car. We need something on the front of our phone. We need something there that helps us understand who we are or remind us who we are. And here's what it's not. It's not pretending to be something you're not. It's living a life that represents who God says you are. Okay. It's not pretending to being something that you're not. We're not saying, oh, just kind of act that way, fake it till you make it. No, that's not what it is. It's God's already told us who we are, and we get to live that way. Galatians 2.20 says this. It says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is, not it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself 
for me. What is that saying, that verse? It's like, I'm no longer going to do what I feel. I'm going to do what's right. I mean, how great. How many situations could you look back at right now and go, man, I wish I would have just done what's right. Because what I felt was so wrong in that moment. And if we're going to do this, the number one thing we have to do is we have to pay attention. What was that? We do. We have to pay attention. We have to pay attention to what's going on around us. One of the hardest things right now for me to watch is my son, who's five years old, play basketball. Because he, he doesn't care. He doesn't. He's, like, looking around. He's flirting with a girl next to him. Like, he, he has, like, literally there's times where he's just, like, and, uh, like, he's just spinning. And I'm like, how? Here's what's funny. He played soccer. I didn't care at all because I don't care about soccer. But basketball, I'm like, this matters. This sport's real. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. See, I've offended FSU fans, soccer fans, Trey. All right. Uh, but it's funny. And here's what I yell. It's never like, get the rebound, do this. It's like, pay attention. Look, the ball. Like, pay. Like, pay attention. But guys, here's the deal. We laugh at those things. We do. But think about your days. Think about the way we act. How much are we just not paying attention to what God has in front of us? What God wants for us. We're walking into situations, we're walking into traps that if we just paid attention, we would see. C.S. Lewis says it this way. He says, very often the only way to get a quality in reality is to start behaving as if you already had it. That's C.S. Lewis. He's, he's a deep dude, man. That's, that's awesome. Like, very often the only way of get, to get a quality in reality is to start behaving as if you already had it. And here's what we're doing. We're not acting. We're not acting. We're just, we're just believing what God already said. We're just believing who God's told us we were. We're just letting God define us for who we are. But if we are going to do this, we have to take the same posture that Jesus did. We have to take the same posture of humility that he had. In 1 Thessalonians 5.10, it said, Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive when he returns, we can live with him forever. Like Jesus showed the ultimate level of humility and dying on the cross for us. And he goes, hey, the way to be raised up, we know this as Christians, we know this. The way to rise up is always to start with humility. The way to rise up is to bow down, is to put God in the place he needs to be so that we can rise to the place we can. Guys, let me say this. And I know many of you, you have all kinds of things, and many of us will start January with some habits and stuff like that. Whatever it may be, whatever it is, do these things. Start a habit. Surround yourself with other people that will support you in it, not make fun of you as you do it. So have some other people around you that will help you in it. Put some reminders into play and start your day like it matters. Start your day that you're going to have a conversation that matters, that you're going to do something that matters, and it's amazing how much it will change. Let's pray. God, we thank you. God, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you that you love us this much, that you want to help us in this. God, I pray that we would pay attention to the things we need to pay attention to so that we can do the things that you've called us to do. God, I pray that we would see ourselves for who you say we are that we would live in that place, live like we are children of God, children of the light, called to something more. God, I pray that we would look to start our days with you, look to go to you before the biggest things in our lives, the biggest conversations, the biggest meetings, the most stressful times. And God, I pray that we would keep you first in that. God, I pray that we would just live our lives that every day actually matters. God, we thank you that we just get to spend time with you. And God, I pray we would take advantage of that. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.